This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. My name is Ganun Diop. Uh, it's not very difficult, even though... Um, but I'm going to take this few minutes, though, to share this with you, because uh, usually once you know the name, how to pronounce it, it makes it easier to relate to, to uh, the person for some people. Anyway, think about noon, afternoon, like noon, Ganun. So that's, that's it. That's my name, you know, so Ganun. So it's really easy then to pronounce. Um, this uh, basically, I was born in a very small country in West Africa, Senegal. Grew up in France. Spent most of my life. Welcome. Good to see you again. <laughs> um, in France, I spent yeah most of my life there basically, and then uh, became Adventist in France. Move to, uh, well, went to Andrews University, studied there. After Andrews, I went back to France to teach. Uh, well, maybe I didn't mention to you, I passed also in Paris, basically, in France, and I worked at the conference as the director for the sub school. Also, uh, then I went to Andrews, went back to France to teach at Cologne, uh, at our seminary there, basically. So I taught four years at our seminary at Cologne. Uh, then I was called to come to Southern Adventist University. And I think that's where I met this lady here. <laughs> that's right. Southern, I uh, taught there for four years. Now, uh, I've been visiting our academic institution. So from Southern, four years. Then I taught three years at Oakwood University. And then after that, in 2007, I was called to go to the General Conference, and there I was actually the director of what they call the Global Mission Study Centers. So, Global Mission Study Centers, basically, do we have the markers already over there? Y yes. These are markers, right? Excellent. I was waiting for them. Excellent. All right. So, basically, I uh, directed the study centers. We had five study centers. Each one of them based, uh, was established to reach the unreached people groups. And we have a center for, uh, to reach the Hindus, uh, the Jews, the Buddhists, Muslims, and then finally another center for sec to, reach, to, to better understand and reach secular and postmodern, basically. Okay? Uh, so that, I did that for four years, and then, uh, well, no, more than, yeah, four years, basically. And then in August, I was asked to represent the church at the United Nations. So basically, now my work is to represent the Seventh-day Adventist Church as an ambassador, if you would like, uh, to the United Nations in Geneva, and then the United Nations in uh, um, New York, basically, both. Uh, I will tell you a little more about that eventually, a little bit later, depending on the time we have. But we have, a, I really think, uh, um, one of the most important topics um, today. And the reason why I say that is very simple. We're talking about revival and reformation. God wants his people to be ready before Jesus comes again. Okay? But for that, God has a specific plan. It's very clear. There's no question about it. But the problem is the word revival reformation is now used all over the place. And there is fuzziness, even confusion, or sometimes, uh, if, I mean, what is it that we are really talking about? Revival and reformation. What is this new idea? Uh, before then, I uh, enter into really the topic we are, we are going to pray but let me just before we pray tell you this now we are going to talk about the foundation what is it? what is the ground upon which we are standing today as we wait for the second coming 
why do we need what what is revival and reformation and then why do we need it but more importantly what is God's perspective on it human beings have all kinds of ideas and wonderful ideas good but what we need is not human thinking is God's thinking God's perspective each one of you should be able at the end of this seminar to say oh this is what God has in mind when he thinks about revival and reformation it has to be that clear now that's one this is what we're going to do right now this afternoon I will talk about revival and reformation but from a different perspective have you heard that we need to pray right and you would all agree we need to worship God you will all agree right we need to be faithful tithe and all those things offerings but guess what there are some people in the 8th century Israel 8th century before Christ these people were very religious they prayed they go through all the rituals they used to pay their tithe they used to worship God but God said I hate your assembly how is that possible? So it, it is, in other words, it is not enough to pray. It is not enough to worship. It is not enough even to be faithful in rituals, in doing things. There is something without which everything that we do is totally useless. I'm going to take you to the book of Amos and see what is it that God expected of his people. Now notice, the book of Amos was written just before the end. Now listen to this. The end of the northern kingdom Israel. Right? We are living just before the end of the world. Same situation. So, I would, we will need to look a little bit closely into this. What kind of people God wants us to be before the end of the world? Okay? Now, remember, these people were very religious. Even spiritual, some people would say. But God say, I don't care about that. We talk about revival and reformation. Let's pray, let's pray. God say, listen, <laughs> the way even the prophet Amos puts it, and I'll talk about that this afternoon, is, is unique in the Bible. God say, I hate your assembly. I cannot stand the noise of your songs, of your hymns. That's terrible, right? So what was the issue? We will look into that. And then, finally, tomorrow morning, I, uh, you know, people talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Wonderful, all that. You know? We need the Holy Spirit. Uh, and when usually people, uh, people talk about the Holy Spirit, they're thinking, oh, I need power. But the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly in the letters to the seven churches. Let the one who has an ear hear what who the spirit says to the churches have we been listening see so we will be looking at that and then uh, you know uh, in that setting i will take you in the book uh, in the context of the book of revelation uh, or the book of revelation the reason this is the last book of the bible this is the last testament of jesus christ so i will try to do my best by god's grace to help each one of us better enjoy and appreciate this book. Why? Ellen White says, the day God's people will be uh, better understanding this book, there will be a great revival among us, as never before. So you understand? Now, we talk about the foundation. This afternoon, we look at what is it that is so important to God, that without which nothing is important, righteousness, the book of Amos, and then we will look at the prophetic aspect, especially the book of Revelation. That is our journey with these uh, three seminars. And I must tell you, I am very ambitious about one thing. I would like each one of you to be able to share with anyone everything that we'll be uh, sharing here. It is not impossible, and I will show you why, okay? Uh, let's start with a word of prayer.
because we know that without God, we can do nothing. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have today to open your word, to listen to you, to help us see things the way you see them. That's why as we begin this uh, seminar about revival and reformation, help us see clearly what you have in mind. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, uh, okay. let me just take this here. I must, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So these are not the, the correct ones, right? Okay. Right. So I'm going to use this one then, basically. Thanks. Okay. All right. Uh, let me start by uh, we're talking about foundations. I would like to read one text in First Corinthians. That's our first text here. For those who have your Bibles, this is probably very, very important in terms of how do you, how do you think about anything. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. No one can lay, what? Any other foundation than the one that has been laid. That foundation is who? Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's be clear about this. Any foundation in any area whatsoever that is not grounded on Jesus Christ cannot stand. So therefore, Bef uh, since we are thinking about revival and reformation, the foundation of that also should be who? Jesus Christ. Let's be very, very clear. The, you know, <laughs> to begin this seminar, this should be said first. Now, that is one text. The second text that I'm going to read before we really get into our topic is the second epistle to Corinthians. Chapter 10 this time. 2 Corinthians 10. Listen to what is said here. Um, I'm just going to read one verse actually. Uh, well, let's read from verse 3. Indeed, we live as human beings, uh, but we do not wage war according to human standards. Could you read yours? Yes. Uh, it doesn't matter which version, but uh, the verse you mean? Verse 3. Is it? Th yeah, please. Continue. And, yeah, until verse, yeah, please. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, here is the thing. We bring every thought, right, captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now, think about these two ideas. The first one that we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. No other foundation but Jesus Christ, right? That's the one. The second, we bring every thought. Now, every thought, it doesn't matter which area of thought of thinking that we talk about, the Apostle Paul says we bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, what does it tell us? Our topic today is revival and reformation. Now, I just mentioned, uh, we do this. Do I have to be here for this to work? Oh. 
Uh-huh. Okay. In any area of life and experience, no one can lay another foundation, can lay another foundation than the one that has been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. So that is what I have just simply said. And I'm, by the way, going so slow so that you will remember everything that, you, that we will be sharing here. And then you can share it with other people. Second, if that is true. Now, think about this. Jesus says, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. And this is in a context where um, <laughs> a disciple asks Jesus, Show us the Father and that's enough for us. I am with you since so long and you didn't know me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you will see the connection that I'm making now. So, revival and reformation are connected to each one of these. Each one of these. We need to be revived in, in our walk, in our way to God. We need to be revived as far as truth is concerned. And we need to be revived as far as life, spiritual life is concerned. I remember, Jesus the foundation, every thought captive, right? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So clearly then, right, we ought to what do we need? Well, we need to be in the way. That's one. What do we need, really? Well, we need to be in the truth, grounded in the truth. What do we need? Well, we need the life. But what kind of life? What are we really talking about? So when we talk about revival and reformation, we talk about revival about the way, revival about the truth, and revival about the life. And you will see where uh, all, these, all the things that all people talk about revival and reformation fit within the parameters or within the scope of these three. No chance, uh, I mean, it's not by chance rather that Jesus would say, I am the way. Now remember, the foundation and the truth and the life. Now, this being said, let's look at the first idea this is to be revived in the way. Now, why do we need that? You revive a lost pilgrim, lost on his journey or her journey to God. And here is the question. Why would someone who has been in the church be lost? Why do we need revival? And by, uh, I will tell you later on my second presentation, all the declarations of Ellen White that we need revival, revival and reformation, etc., etc. We will come to that later. For now, let's look at what we are really talking about. The answer is very simple. Some people are in the church, some the Adventist church. They go, you know, Sabbath, worship. They do all the right things. But even so, they or we need revival. Be revived in the way. Why? We can be lost even by being in the church. How so? The answer is, when we lose Jesus out of sight, you know, we lose what? A vital connection. And therefore, the foundation, the markers, or signposts of, of the journey to life are lost. So being revived, basically, is to be brought back on the path to God. But who is the path to God? It is the person. Who is that person? Jesus Christ. So to being, revi- uh, being revived basically is to reconnect with Jesus Christ. That's foundational. And I could ask the question here, do we really know Jesus personally? Do we have that vital... Remember, the word revival, you have the word revive it's about life right uh, 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 the, the 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 spanish vida uh, or the french v it's it's about life so life is in, in unthinkable without 
Jesus Christ. So that's why I talk about vital V, the same root by the way. Vital connection with Jesus Christ. No wonder he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And then he comments, no one can come to the Father except through me. But this is in the context of the Gospel of John. How does it start? Remember, this is in chapter 14 when they say, I'm the way, the truth and the life. But go back to chapter 1, the prologue. How does it start? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and nothing was made without Him. I mean, all things were made by Him and nothing that was made was made without Him. And then the text says, in Him was what? Life. In Him was life. And then, listen to this next sentence. The life was the what? Light. (laughs) Now, think about these themes, right? Light. And then the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not receive him. By the way, can I, since this is just the first meeting, can I share with you uh, just a parenthesis about this? I was not born in a Christian home. Okay? Uh, But when I became Seventh-day Adventist, I started, I decided, I wanted to start memorizing the scriptures. Why? Because I needed my internal database, my mindset, to be imbibed, to be, I mean, saturated by God's word, basically. And I started doing something that for some people it's so complicated, but you know what? Day by day, by God's grace, I started to memorize in the original languages the scriptures. That is how I started. Uh, I mean, even this text, just listen to this. Just in Greek, the one that I just shared, in the beginning was the word, the word was, was with God, okay? In Greek. And arche en hologos, kai hologos en prosomteon, kai teos en hologos, hutos en arche prosomteon, panta di auto egenito, kai horis auto egenito, hude en ogegonen, en auto zoe en, kai hezoe en tofoson anthropon, kai tofos en tescotia faine, kai hezkotia ukatelaben. I just recited in Greek the first five verses of the Gospel of John. You don't have to do it in Greek, but you can do it in English. Why is it important? Why? Because it tells me something about Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. Let me, let me just go this. It tells me something about Jesus Christ. See, the biblical and experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ is necessary for life. You see what I'm saying? Necessary for life. Okay, you have a physical dimension. This morning, who did go to breakfast? Everyone, right? Okay, why did we do that? Most of us. We need physical food, right? Without which we would not be sustained during the day. It's, 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 it is as simple as that. But guess what? For our spiritual life too, we need spiritual food. And that spiritual food, life, is Jesus Christ. God, in other words. You see, now, uh, and I will come to that necessarily. Uh, if we don't have Jesus, listen, to have our eyes fixed on him, is the antidote to drifting to another path that leads to death. We are talking today about revival and reformation. It is a life and death issue. Revive, you know, to life. Right? Now, so imagine someone who is in a coma or something. That, you know, or someone who just is dying. What do you do? You revive the person to what? To life. So, and, and you, you understand very clearly, even Jesus said that some people, well... <laughs> You know that statement, let the dead bury their dead. Okay? He was not being rude or something like that, but at least we can take one lesson there. Some people are alive, but they are dead spiritually. Okay? So, revival is to come to life. And the question is, how you and I can come to life? 
Now, uh, through Jesus Christ. And then I have to answer one question. But who is Jesus? This is the most important question. Most important question we will have to answer to anyone. Our testimony. What is it? You are a witness, right? We are all baptized. What, are we asked? what is our testimony? Our testimony is we are witnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's, that is foundational. At the end of the day, you know, when we help people by giving food to, to the poor, humanitarian aid, I mean, uh, and all those good things that we do to help people concretely, right? Philanthropic work, all those good things. At the end of the day, we wait for the moment when people ask us, but what is the hope that is in you? And then we share Jesus. We tell the story of Jesus. But who is he? Now, let me then... By the way, are you following me so far? Am I being... Okay? Foundation, no other foundation but Christ. Every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Right? And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So, revival and reformation are connected to, these, to each one of these. I'm the way. We need to be revived in the way. I'm the truth. We need to be re revived in the truth, especially us as Adventists. And there is something there, and I will come back to that. And then, revived to life. The life of God. Because our destiny is <laughs> not just heaven. Mm. That, that, that might be a surprise to some people. But it is not just about heaven. Do you know that? Why? Because heaven without Jesus is no heaven. Heaven is heaven because of the fellowship we will have in God. That is what makes heaven, heaven. It's not just, you know, I mean, some people can have a pagan version of heaven. Okay, I will not suffer anymore. Anybody wants that, right? But salvation is about not just, okay, all right, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, yes, all those good things. But these are byproducts of something more important that is connection with God. The relationship, because we were created to fellowship with God. Until that happens, we will never be fulfilled. This is why each one of us have a, like a hole in our heart. Only God can fill that. No human being can. No material thing can. Only God can. That is why we hunger and thirst after God. Okay? Now, so let's answer this question. And very simply, I want you to remember this. Who is Jesus? And this is why I asked to use the board, by the way. Because the word, if I write this word Jesus, it doesn't mean anything in English. It doesn't mean anything. What's your name? Billy? Okay. And yours? BJ? Okay. BJ. Oh, PJ. Okay. All right. And yours? Tasha? Okay, yours? Okay. Do you know the meanings of your name? Any one of you? Anyone? I forgot exactly. In English, my name is Rachel. Rachel. Okay. All right. But guess what? Most of us, we give our children names because they sound nice. <laughs> I mean, let's just... Uh, okay, but in ancient times, names were given because they were meaningful. Names were, were, were expressing the essence or the destiny or something particular about a person or a birth or, or an event. So, you know, the name Jesus... <laughs> God sent an angel, right? God was very intentional. He sent an angel uh, to Mary, right? Uh, and Joseph by, tell, by telling them, you shall call his name, what? Jesus. So God chose it. And you know, God is not superficial. It's not just for aesthetic purposes that he would choose a name. And there is a reason here. You see, in English, Jesus doesn't mean anything. Why? Because it is... Uh, transliterated from 
um, Greek. Let me just uh, give the translation. In Greek is Jesus. But Jesus in Greek doesn't mean anything either. By the way, you can tell this story after. And you will see the whole Christian message is in the name. There's a reason for that. There's a story behind the name. Now, in Greek it doesn't mean anything. Why? Because it is transliterated from Hebrew. And Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yehoshua. Now, the word Yehoshua has meaning in Hebrew. <laughs> Many, uh, uh, it is very interesting. Many English, well, whenever the English, uh, okay, whenever Hebrew name starts with Ye, the English change it into Je. Yeremiahu becomes Jeremiah. Yehoshaphat becomes Jehoshaphat. Je, right? Uh, Yosef becomes what? Joseph. And by the way, the Spanish speaking, they don't like the J sound necessarily. They use the H. Jesus. Okay? But the original here in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Now, what is more important though is that you have two components. The, the second part is from a verb, yasha, means to save. To take a person out of a danger zone, to rescue a person, to deliver a person. Okay? So, notice the name is telling us a story. Okay? Then, the first part, Yeho, is an abbreviation of Yahweh, the name of God. But the word Yahweh has also a meaning. It comes from a Hebrew word, Haya, and Haya means, guess what? To be. To be. In other words, well, okay. Uh, just for you to feel what is going on here. Uh, you and I, we can be conjugated. Yesterday I was. Today as I speak, I am. Tomorrow, I don't know. Y you know why? Because I don't have life in myself. It is what? Given me. Right? Every second is a miracle. You breathe. It's a miracle. You are not sustaining yourself. Someone else is sustaining you. But God is. God doesn't need. You see what I'm saying? Someone else outside of God. So this is why the, 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 here, literally the name Jesus means the one who is. In other words, the eternal one. Right? Actually, there is a way, if you put the word Yahweh, can also mean the one who creates, the creator, or the one who causes to be, that is the creator. So in other words, the eternal one, the creator, what has he done? He has come to save us. See? So the one who is, the eternal one, God, creates, has come to save us. That is Jesus. Not an angel, not a creature, but God, God's self, has come to save us. So, if you were to just limit to tell the story in, with these two things, here is what you will have. The name of Jesus has two components. A summary. He is Lord and He is what? Savior. Two components of the Christian faith. Now, let me tease your mind a little bit here. What is unique about Jesus Christ is that if He is not Lord, He could not be a Savior. Only someone who is a Lord can be a Savior. And when I say Lord, I mean by that. He has to master time. He has to master space. He has to master the Lord of matter. I mean, otherwise he could not save. <laughs> Think about this. Uh, if he is not the Lord of space, you would be somewhere where he could not find you or reach you. So he has to have access 
to everything, in other words. Now we're talking about, we're talking about revival and reformation. The first thing is to know Jesus. Because no other foundation. You know, people sometimes talk even about the Holy Spirit, but ignoring who Jesus is. That's tragic. You see, uh, uh, <laughs> I hear some people, for example, say, oh, the, the acts of the Holy Spirit, yes, but it is the acts of God the Father and God the Son. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot separate this. Okay, I'll come back to that later, but think about this. Because Jesus is Lord of matter, time, space, then he can be a savior. If he is not Lord of time, just think about it. If he is not Lord of time, then you could exist at a certain time in history and he cannot save you. Right? Now, why do we say that he must be the Lord of matter also? Why do you pray? Someone is sick. You pray for that person. What are you saying? You're praying so that God, who masters matter, would do something to change, to intervene, so that that person be well. Now, get back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning. Now, listen to this. All things was, was created by, all things were created by Him. Including the beginning. So he created even the beginning. He created time. So this is why you cannot confine Jesus. Okay? So, he's Lord, he's Savior. Let me take a minute to talk about this other. We call him Christ, right? <laughs> the word Christ doesn't mean anything in English either. Why? Because it is transliterated from uh, well, it is transliterated from Greek Christos, and Christos. Yes, there is a verb in Greek "kreo," meaning to anoint. So basically, what is to anoint? What was the story behind? Here, kings were anointed. Well, no, first the sanctuary was anointed. Exodus chapter forty. Before God would manifest his glory in the sanctuary, right? The sanctuary had to be anointed. The prophets were anointed. So, one, sanctuary was anointed to manifest God's glory. Two, prophets were anointed. Three, priests were anointed. Four, kings were anointed. Right? So guess what? The word Christ is telling us that Christ is the manifestation of God's glory. That's why he was called Emmanuel. Emmanuel with us, God. God with us. Prophets, you know, <laughs> prophets were, were word bearers, you know. But Christ is the word. Remember? And Ache and Hologos. In the beginning was the word. Then, we find here, priest sacrificed, by the way. Anointed. And then finally, he is coming as king of kings and lord of lords. So, what, does the, what is the story? In a nutshell, in a summary, brief form. The one who is, the eternal one, the creator, has come to save us. He dwelt among us, sanctuary. He spoke with us as, as prophets. He bore our sins, sacrifice, resurrected, ascended in heaven, priest, interceding for us. And guess what? He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Just the name Jesus tells you the story. Nobody can say, oh, I cannot tell this story. You can tell it. I mean, yes, not going into the detail of the Hebrew, but, but the story is there. Can I repeat it one time? 
the everlasting one, the eternal one, the creator, has come to save us. He dwelt among us, meaning tabernacle among us. Right? He spoke to us, became sacrificed for our sin, conquered death, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and there session as high priest. And he's coming soon as king of kings and lord of lords. Another way, let me just add one more thing. You have more than you think you have. And sometimes that's the problem with Adventists. We have more than we know even that we have. Let me add one more dimension here. Have you heard people using the word how what did uh, early Christians, they greet one another with this word, right? Maranatha. What were they saying to one another? (laughs) Right? Now, there are at least four four meanings of this word. Depending, uh, now this is Aramaic, depending how you uh, how you uh, put the emphasis or the accent. Maranatha could mean our Lord, Marana, Atta, has come. That's the past, right? Maranatha can mean our Lord is coming. That's the future, right? Maranatha can be even a prayer. Come, O Lord, as you find in the book of Revelation. Okay? That's number three. And Maranatha, Maranatha, you are our Lord, can mean, uh, can mean you are our Lord. Now think about this. Our Lord has come. Our Lord is coming. Right? Come, O Lord, that's the prayer in the present. Right? And then, you are our Lord. That's our confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. The shortest confession of faith you find in the Bible. So, to come back to our initial... Remember here? We... Okay. I started by, in any area of life, Jesus... We cannot lay any other foundation, right? But the one that is Jesus. By the way, I'm doing this because I want you to be able to share it. By the time you get out of here, you will know this. You know, you will have captured it and memorized it, even no problem. If Jesus is the foundation, Jesus Christ, then we ask ourselves, why did he say, I am the way? He could have just stopped there, right? But he said three things. I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. Now, then, I submitted to your consideration this morning that revival and reformation are connected to each one of these. That is the way. We are revived in the way, because some of us have lost our way, (laughs) or, you know, sleeping, or, you know, blacklighted, or whatever, apostatized, or getting out of the way, so revive, to be revived, is to come back in the way. Okay? But Jesus says, I am the way, meaning he is the vital connection that revives us. This is why we started, just for now, I'm just talking about this. Uh, this is why we started, uh, let me do this, yes. We started saying then, okay, if Jesus is the vital connection, but we have to ask one question, Okay, the, the vital question is, if Jesus is the way, then we have to have an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. By the way, notice what I say, biblical and experiential. If it is just experiential, you know, people can invent their kind of a Jesus. But we're talking about a biblical Jesus. Right? This is not some subjective, you know, like, oh, okay, my Jesus, you know. You know so, yeah, but... Is it the Jesus that is revealed in Scripture and he says, they testify of him. Not any, this is not a Muslim Jesus, by the way. This is not the Hindu Jesus, an avatar. No. 
this is the biblical Jesus we're talking about. So that, that's why I put the two vital, you know, biblical and experiential. Now, then we have to, if to remain on the way, and He is the way, we have to have our eyes fixed on Him, and that is the antidote of drifting to another path. And remember, we talk about revival and reformation. This is about revived from death. Okay? Then, vital question, who is Jesus? This is why I started by telling you the story, first of all, of his name. And of course, we could expand <laughs> the story of his name could lead us to the story of his claims. Huh? I mean, why did he say, I am the resurrection and the life? Remember that? He say, okay, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I am the vine. All the I am in the Gospel of John, eight of them, all of them are purposed to tell us something. One, undergirding truth. That is, Jesus is a life giver. That is why he is the revivalist. He is the reviver, if you please. The only one who can do it. Why? Because he's God. But of course, to revive us, he has to save us, right? And then, this is why all these things are together and Jesus is at the center of all this. You know, uh, Ellen White says something and I will come back to that in a second. That of all, all professing Christians, Adventists should be foremost in uplifting Jesus Christ. <laughs> foremost. But, so this is, uh, this is why, notice, I could start by telling you about the Holy Spirit today. But I didn't. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit was here, guess what he would do? He would talk about Jesus. <laughs> this, this was intentional. You know, uh, whenever I'm invited somewhere, come and tell us about the Holy Spirit. I say, okay, um, first of all, I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit will tell you about. Okay? And uh, then, then we will see what is the connection of the Holy Spirit and Right? Now, think about this. Then, what we did, okay, uh, here we go, okay. This is what I just read to you. Ellen White saying, of all professing Christians, Seventh-day Adventists should be foremost in uplifting Christ before the world. The proclamation of the third angel's message calls for the presentation of the Sabbath truth. Yes. This truth with others included in this message is to be proclaimed. Yes. But the great center of attraction, Christ Jesus, must not be left out. That's why I talk about Jesus. And at the, at the end of the day, when, people, when you meet people, tell me, and you, if you share the gospel, who are you talking about? First, Jesus. And say, he's your savior. savior. And then after that, he will tell you, you know what? He has promised a gift to you. And there's a reason why he has promised that gift. And why you need that gift for your revival. And, but but that's come after. That, that comes after. Right? But first, Jesus. Hmm? Now, and then, by the way, she continues by saying this. It is at the cross of Christ that mercy and truth meet together. And righteousness and peace kiss each other. The sinner must be led to look to Calvary with the simple faith of a little child, he must trust in the merits of the Savior, accepting his righteousness, believing in his mercy. I was telling you this afternoon, we'll talk about this, the, <laughs> uh, this righteousness. Why? Why? First of all, in the book of Amos, and then Jesus even said, listen, if your righteousness does not surpass that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, you shall by no means, he said, enter the kingdom of heaven. So we, we need to be clear. If Jesus put this as absolute condition for entrance into his kingdom, then we need to talk about it. Now, I could spend time telling you good stories, making you feel very good about so many things, but I think something is vital here for us, living in the time of the end. Okay. Time, I understand, every 50 minutes to take a break, right?
Okay? So, this was this uh, first part. We're going to talk about... Uh, Sometimes I try to be a good student. So, I was told here, 9.45 to 10.35 instruction. Then, 10 minutes break. Uh, 5 minutes break. 10.35 to 10.40. And then we continue going a little deeper on the other two. Okay. Okay. So then we, uh, what would you like? To take a little break, five minutes, and then we uh, resume. We, then after that, what do we have? Yes, I will continue. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way. So we just talk about that. What is truth? Why is it important to be revived in the truth? <laughs> you know, I meet, just to give you a, 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 a hint here. I meet, um, well, I was presenting about two months ago, yeah, representative of two billion Christians who we are as Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? They were Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, and, and, I mean, etc., etc., etc. And one of the things that I shared with them is that we Adventists uphold what we call the whole chain of truth. You know, not just, you know, Jesus loves you and then you're okay, right? No, but we talk about the immortality of the soul, we talk about, you know, many other things. So, why is it important to be revived in the truth? Is doctrine important? If you are not clear about what you believe, then of course, how you're going to practice your faith is going to be affected by it. So, revival is not just, okay, and, and this afternoon I'll talk about that part, you know, just pray. I knew champions of prayers in the Bible and God say, I hate your prayers. They are an abomination to me. So what is it that is so important that without which God will not even hear our prayers? Right? So we will talk about the, con the spiritual condition that is necessary before Christ's second coming. So that will be the afternoon presentation. But when we come back, we talk about the truth and we talk about life. What is it that we call life? Why should we be revived? V, vite, vita, huh? you know, uh, <laughs> uh, vida, life. What is that? What is that? Really? What is it to live? This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh Day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.